Hello Bulls fans and welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Wire Sports Podcast Network. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the show, which is proudly brought to you today by ShipStation.com. Head over to ShipStation.com, enter the promo code BLUE and get your hands on 63 days of shipping. So on today's show, there's not a ton to be talking about Bulls in terms of Bulls-related news. So what I thought we'd do today is maybe project forward and think about the, the upcoming season and maybe do some season some season long predictions and uh, in helping me to do that today who better to have on the podcast and put forward some predictions than the prophet himself the self acclaimed prophet the head of the Sea Red Army and a man who has become a D grade level celebrity there in Chicago I'm talking about the one the only Fred Pfeiffer and he joins me now Fred how are you sir Living a dream, Mark. It's awesome to talk to you again. It's, uh, you know, the, the dog days of summer here, not a lot of basketball being talked about on the radio airwaves, but in my mind, it's 24-7. I can't wait. I wish the season started tomorrow. I'm so excited about what the beloved have done in the off season. What say you? Look, I'm ready for basketball. I, I jump on Twitter these days and all I see on my feed is baseball talk and NFL and this sort of crap that I'm not interested in. So I'm definitely interested in the the basketball being being, being brought, uh, brought back as quick as possible because it was a good offseason. I'm excited to see what this Bulls team can do on the court for the upcoming season. So I just wanted to be here already. I know. It's just so it's so exciting to realize just when if you step back and look at the team, I mean, any dope can, can at least ascertain that the team is significantly better significantly deeper has far more talent um in my it's it's funny I was just I just had a meeting today believe it or not for my real full-time job with the Indiana Pacers and had a interesting conversation with a couple members of their organization and I couldn't believe the stuff they said about that young I mean he sounds like just a fantastic individual you know just a huge loss they didn't want to lose him but you know, they didn't really have a lot of choice if they, if they wanted to make the moves, in, in which they did. Obviously, they signed a couple of very good players, and, and um, you know, they got Lamb also uh, outside of everything else that they did. But, you know, it's just a guy they did not want to lose, but he just sounds like an incredible human being, incredible leader. I'm excited he's a part of this team. He's going to pr- provide that veteran leadership that was uh, sorely lacking. Yeah, definitely. Look, I, I didn't really consider him an option for the Bulls because I just – didn't think the Pacers would let him go because he was pretty valuable to their team. And same thing with Sadoransky. Whilst he was an option, theoretically, I didn't think it was likely because I just assumed the Wizards would be pretty keen on keeping him around. And he was a restricted free agent. So I just assumed they would want to keep him around too. But to, to my surprise, both players were effectively let go by their teams. And I was pretty damn happy that both came through. They were exactly the type of players that I was hoping the Bulls could get. I was I was expecting them to get maybe a lower level version of those players, but they ended up getting Zadaransky and Young, and two guys that fit around this young core pretty damn perfectly. So, like like you said, I'm pretty I'm pretty excited, and and this roster has clearly been upgraded, and I'm looking forward to next season so much so that I thought we could jump on today's show and do some sort of predictions because, of course, you are the all-seeing prophet, the oracle of Bulls Twitter. And given that is the fact and, and given that we're sort of yearning for some basketball, I thought we could do some predictions. And you've told me in the past, Fred, that you typically get 93% of your predictions right. And uh, I want to put that to a test by asking you 10 questions, 10 future predictions. And I'm assuming based on your hit rate that you'll at least get nine of those 10 predictions right, basically. Well, first of all, that's not a number I came up with. That A group of... Uh 
scientists from the University of Northeast Idaho reached out to me and, and analyzed my tweets over the course of a decade and found I'm that, sure that 93% of, <laughs> of the time. So, you know, I stand by that statement. I don't know who the person was who reached out to me, but that's what he said he, he worked for. So, um, you know, I'm going to go by that. And I, it seems like I'm 93% of the time right, 7% of the time I'm wrong. Uh, but, you know, that happens to, to the best of profits. The one thing I can't see or can't foresee is uh, injuries. So now I'm a little always, first of all, I'm a little hesitant to give these predictions because it's like, do you want to read, know the end of the movie? Do you want to know the, the end of the book? That's what I'm basically doing is telling people how this is going to end up. And I, if that's what you want to do and ruin it for everyone, that's fine. But, you know, it's a little hesitant to do that. But even so, why don't we uh, go through the endeavor? Because it's always possible that it could be injuries and a few of these could be wrong. Well, I'm quietly confident that many of them will be wrong. So um, I don't think we're going to be ruining, it, ruining anything. And just quietly, is that a Russian bot that may have reached out to you and <laughs> you know predicted your or, or let you know what your prediction rate was? Are we sure it's even human? There's only one Russian bot that I know of, and he happens to – I think he's your employer. <laughs> and his job, his whole job is to uh, sow division within the fan base, and it's working. So uh, it, it happened in our politi- uh, political sphere – the Russian bot, and it's also happened in the in the in the bull sphere. So I'm tired of it. You know what the uh, the word uh, for uh, I think I think I just found this out. Uh, diabolic is the actual the root term is uh, division. And I, I finally I've seen there's so much division among the fan base. I finally am seeing us begin to coalesce and come together behind this team. It's a good feeling because I know uh, you're my Robin now. I'm the Batman of Bulls Twitter. Some people have labeled me that fighting the negativity yeah. and i really appreciate your uh helping me in this effort and endeavor yeah definitely some people uh, a sum of one but that's that's fine but let's let's get on to these predictions i want to i've got to like i said i've got 10 for you i'm expecting you to get nine right so that's at least 90 percent. given that you get 93 percent right you should you should uh breeze this in but let's start with this one it's a it's a it's a true or false question i'll keep it very simple so true or false Chris Dunn will be on the Bulls opening night roster. What say you, Prophet? True. They're not happy with the offer, offers for Chris Dunn. I don't believe that they should give Chris Dunn away. He's clearly more valuable than his current trade value. I think I still believe in Chris Dunn. I think he's an excellent defensive player. Defensive versatility is the most underrated attribute right now on, on this roster. Um, you know, I hear a lot of people crying about we don't have any wings and you know, I'm just, first of all, we have Valentine and Chandler Hutchinson. We don't have any wings. Does anybody look at the other rosters in the NBA? Look at the backups for every major, look at the backups for Detroit at, at the three and the, and the two. I mean, every team has the same problem. There aren't enough good wings in the league, but that said, a guy like Chris Dunn is good enough defensively, has enough defensive versatility to guard threes in this league. I would rather see Chris Dunn at 6'4", 204, guarding a good three, than Justin Holiday at 6'6", 180 pounds. He's a far better defensive answer on many wings in this league than most of the other players on this team. What say you? I mean, you found a way to, to weave Justin Holiday into your comment, but uh, really all I was trying to get out of you was, do you think he'll be on the roster come opening <laughs> night? And you sort of answered that, I suppose, but went on a soliloquy on some other nonsense there. But I, too happen to think that Chris Dunn will be on the opening night roster. I guess the Bulls currently have 16 guaranteed contracts. They need to get that down to 15. So that may 
I guess well, that's going to be Antonio Blakeney. He's going to be gone, which is fine. And that's probably where it's probably going to be headed. I mean, that's probably going to be the fallback option, assuming they can't trade Chris Dunn uh, prior to the season commencing. So I think they will be looking to trade Chris Dunn into some uh, some other team's cap space or pot- potentially into some other team's uh, exception, something of that nature. But if they can't make that happen, then they'll probably they'll probably wave Blakeney instead. But I think what's more likely is that, that Chris Dunn will be on the roster Come opening night, probably not at the end of the season, but we'll see how that plays out. So we're both agreeing on that one. So there's isn't quite- that the right decision? No, let's ask. Let's ask for you know the little higher question. Is that the right decision, provided that he's not a problem in the locker room? Which, according to every person I've talked and every source I have, he's not. He's a good kid. Isn't that the right decision? Why would you just get rid of Chris Dunn for nothing? Well, I mean, if if you if you like Chris Dunn and you're you're concerned with his career and and you're interested in seeing him succeed, then maybe you just move him on so you do the best thing for him. I mean, we've got five point guards on the roster at this point, so maybe maybe it doesn't make sense for him to keep him around. Particularly if you're not necessarily planning on re-signing, why would you want to sort of tank his value, tank his season, and get it off to a bad start? I think if the team and Dunn and his agent can sort of work together and find him a better situation, then. I think there's some merit to that, but at the same time, yeah, there's no point in trading him just for the sake of trading him, but I think they're going to explore that situation. And Sadoransky, I mean, everybody's acting like we have five point guards. Yeah, technically, that those are their primary positions. Sadoransky's 6'7". He could play the shooting guard position. He could play the three in a pinch. Uh, Kobe White is a combo guard. He can absolutely play the two. It's, it's like It's not like we have five, you know, John Stockton's on the roster. I'm so sick of the just the overanalyzing everything. I mean, we're, we're fine. We're absolutely fine. Dunn can play multiple positions. And, in fact, I don't. I want Dunn come, coming off the bench, not playing with Levine. I can't remember whose article. It might have been Darnell. I think I read an article where he's basically advocating just separating him, him and Levine. And I think you're going to see Chris Dunn play better, build up his trade value. We'll get a, a decent asset for him by the trade deadline. Well, I mean, I hope so. That's, that, that'll be the, the ideal case. But let's move on to prediction number two here. You're not going to like this one. but um, it's, it's still related to the point guard situation, but I'm asking you this question, Fred. Between Kobe White and Ryan Archidiakno, who will average more minutes per game this season? Yeah, actually, this one was uh, a little bit harder for me at, at first glance just because you know, I think the Bulls are, gonna, are in the mode to, hey, we got to win. We're going to make the playoffs. And, you know, as much as I like Kobe White, I don't think he's anywhere near ready. He's going to be an over machine in his first year. I don't want him starting. I think as a coach, you need to put your players in the best position to succeed. Putting Kobe White as a starter is is insane. He's not not going to succeed in that position. Uh, He's 19. It takes a long time to learn that position. My my goal is to hope is that they bring him off the bench. And I even believe that maybe it's best for him, at least initially, until Dunn has moved to even keep him out of the regular rotation. And I don't necessarily think it's a, it would be a negative reflection on White. It's just he's so young and it's such a difficult position to learn. I will admit Ryan right now is in, in probably better shape to play the point guard position. I think that he's a, he's a better shooter than Kobe. So I think for the first half of the year, you might see Ryan actually get more minutes than Kobe White. And I know he's a favorite of Boylan's. So this is probably is music to your ears, but – I think at least for the first half of the season, Ryan will get more time. When I, I do believe Dunn will be moved at the, by the trade deadline, and when he is, I think you'll see Kobe kind of take over and, and get more more time, and Ryan should go back to his 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 uh, best role, which is as third string, you know, point guard and and uh, you know, a guy to run the the practice squad. 
Yeah, I mean, I think some Bulls fans are probably expecting too much from Kobe White too soon. He's still 19 years of age. He's, he's inexperienced. He's still learning the point guard position. If he plays, I think he'll probably be playing more shooting guard than point guard, to be honest with you. So he's got a chance to actually get some minutes still in the rotation, uh, more, probably more so at shooting guard than point guard. But I, I'm of the, the opinion, and based on what you sort of alluded to there, that Boylan will probably have more comfort in having someone like Archie Diakono running the point guard position more so than Kobe White, who may be out there making some mistakes, potentially costing the team some valuable points in certain lineups and rotations, which could end up costing the team some some games and some wins. And I, th- I think it's pretty clear that this team is going to be trying towards or trying to get towards the playoffs at this point. I don't know if they'll make it, but they're, they're not definitely trying to lose at this point. So I think at the moment, Archie Diakno is probably the, the more seasoned, the more ready player. So I could see a situation where Boylan ends up playing Archie Diakono a little bit more minutes to the point where I think he will average more minutes than Kobe White this season. So I, I'm gonna, it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. But at the end of the season, what was your final answer? Do you think Kobe White or Ryan Archie Diakono will average more minutes? I think by the end of the season, Kobe White will average more. But as I said, the first half, I expect Ryan to play more. Okay, we'll lock that in. So two down, we've got eight to go. So let's move on to the third one here. So having only played 52 games in his rookie season and 68 in his sophomore season, will third-year forward Larry Markkinen eclipse the 70-game barrier for the first time in his short career? Well, first of all, the, question, the question's wrong. He played 68 games last year. He played 52 games last year. Well, fair enough. Reverse it around. <laughs> Just point it out, brother. Uh, Sorry. I, I know this stuff like the back of my hand. He played 68 games his first year. He was remarkably healthy. They shut him down in order to tank in his, in his first year. Last year was a little bizarre that he had that, you know, weird elbow injury that really, uh, you know, set him back for the first quarter of the season. And then, you know, that was a concern what happened in, in early March where suddenly he's out due to a heart condition. And, and I'm, I, you know, I, I'm hoping everything's fine. It seems like that's what I heard. You know, I got to meet him in April and he seemed to be in good health. You know, knock on wood, that's a pretty scary thing to see anything like that happen. But I'm going to take the positive viewpoint here and say that he's going to play 70 games on the dot, maybe 71, 72 uh, this year. And he's going to be healthy and, and strong. And I think it's definitely helped that he's not playing this summer. He played, people forget that he played, I think, the last two summers. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, Mark, for his national team. That's a, a big commitment. So he's not doing anything right now, but getting stronger, getting better, working out. And uh, so I'm going to say yes. He'll, he'll, he'll eclipse the 70-game barrier for the first time in his short career. I, I don't think he's going to make the All-Star team, even though I think he'll deserve it. Uh, I think Zach's the guy who's going to make the All-Star team this year, however. Well, so we'll save that thought because we've got a question coming up on that a little bit later on. And I'm not sure if I'm going to ever be able to uh... – Ever be able to come back properly from that? The fact that I got a fact wrong and you were able to correct me on my own podcast—that's that's tough. So let's quickly move on. But I do happen to agree with you that Larry will eclipse seventy games. At least that's what I'm hoping for. I've got my fingers crossed on that one because for his sake and the team's sake, particularly if, the, if they're to push the, towards the playoffs, they really need him to to be playing 70, 75 games at least. So we'll see how that sort of transpires. But moving on to prediction number four. This one's about Wendell Carter Jr. In a recent in- interview, he mentioned that he wants to become a better individual scorer. He averaged 10.3 points in 25 minutes during his rookie season. He didn't shoot that efficiently, but he still put up 10.3 points per game. 
So my question, it's a pretty simple one. Will Carter surpass that in year two and average 15 or more points per game in his sophomore season? What do you, what do you think? I don't think he's going to surpass 15 points a game. I think he's going to average about a 12, nine and ten, or a 12, uh, nine rebounds, four assists. Uh, that's where I really want to see him improve is is where is uh on, on the assist i i agree i, I think we're some simpatico on this i think the best asset of his game the most impressive impressive asset of his game is his passing ability i saw that in college i watched a ton of tape on him it was so impressive i think chris Fleming uh is going to uh do a good job in facilitating him and bringing out the best in wendell carter jr hopefully it'll work out of you know like a high post a lot of play like kind of like a little bit like the Bulls utilized Gasol in 2015 and figure out ways to take advantage of his passing ability I didn't see any of that last year I thought the Bulls really and Jim did a poor job in, in taking advantage of his talents he did a lot of back to the basket nonsense which is you know great if it's 1989 but that that game's kind of gone now you, you need to understand what are your, the talents that you have are your players and, and the talents of Wendell Carter Jr. is his passing ability, setting picks, rolling off picks, not back to the basket post game. Not saying that's not something you should develop, but uh, hopefully, I think the I think hopefully Fleming will work with him and, and get better better usage out of him than, than they had in his first year. I'm expecting him though to improve quite a bit. I want to see his. Uh, start hitting the three. I want to see him put in the corner occasionally to bring out and start hitting that three pointer at a much higher percentage. I think he has that in him. It'd be a, his shooting ceiling should be a lot higher than it was last year. I, I really am expecting a, a big jump from him. And I expect him to be first team all NBA within the next three years uh, at the center position. What say you? I'm one of the biggest Wendell Carter supporters among the fan base, but to to, to have him on the first team All NBA seems a bit. Uh, oh no, I mean, well, it seems defense. a bit too. <laughs> no, no doubt about that. That was my bet. All defense. I want him to make oh, okay. I, make first team All NBA defense, not a uh, All NBA. <laughs> Good point. Hey, you got <laughs> to correct me after I corrected you. So now I guess we're even. We're even, I suppose. But yeah, I mean, I was taking you at face value because it sounded like a typical C-Red thing to say, but uh, it, sound, it sounded overzealous. But I think, yeah, he has a chance to be a, an, an all-NBA defensive caliber player. But uh, we'll see what, We'll see what's in the cards for Wendell. But whilst I agree with you that I don't think he's going to average 15 or more points per game, it's not totally inconceivable given that he averaged 10 in 25 minutes last season. I mean, just got to get to the free throw line on one more occasion, maybe pop in one more three, and then all of a sudden you're getting towards 14, 15 points. But I agree, it's probably unlikely that he gently makes a five-point-per-game shift on, on offense. But as exactly what you said, if, if they use him on the high post as a, as a passing hub, if they uh, enable him to be more of a face-up player, he's got a, he's got a nice-looking jump shot. I know he only he, his three-point percentage was poor in his rookie season, but they really dissuade him from actually shooting the shooting the three to the point where I think it really started to sort of eat away in his head that he couldn't necessarily make that shot, but he definitely can. So I think. So long as they use him correctly and use him in the way that you, that you sort of outlined there, despite what his stats will be, I think I'm very positive on what we're going to get from Wendell this season. So we happen to agree with prediction four. It's actually quite sad that we're aligned to a degree thus far, <laughs> thus far. But um, maybe this this question coming up or this prediction Robin, coming up, Robin, may... what are you talking about? We're 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 we're, <laughs> we're fighting together. Hey, I, I want to just take a step back though. Do you believe he could be a first team All NBA All Defense in the next three years? 
Three years seems like three years seems too too quick to me. I mean, as in three years' time, Wendell Carter will be twenty three. You don't usually see too many twenty three year olds making all defensive teams. I mean, they're, they're sort of the the accolades reserved for for players who are twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight, more so in their prime, more so they've they've established themselves, they've got that reputation. So whilst I think Wendell Carter is going to be a great defensive player in the NBA, I think it, I think that that all NBA sort of defensive acknowledgement is almost a, a recognition award more than more than anything else good points very good points so i i think wendell can do it but uh maybe six seven years away i, th- I think he's got to buy his time earn his reps those sorts of things you know even if he doesn't make it I'm, I'm very confident in the defensive play he can be but moving on to the next question where i'm sure there will be some division and at least i'm hoping so and um fred this one is about your boy Denzel Valentine. I had to squeeze one in there. I just had to. So you often like to point out to me, or mainly me, that for his career, that Kirk Heinrich shot below 40% from the field. And typically, my retort is often, uh, well, so has your favorite player, which is obviously Denzel Valentine. Through his first two seasons in the, in the league, he's actually shot 39.9% from the field himself. So I find that a little bit hypocritical from yourself. Now, whilst Kirk Heinrich can't change his career numbers now that he's retired, I'm assuming if Denzel is recovered and ready to play basketball, that he'll be able to get out there and maybe put up a few jumpers. But I'm wondering, will he be able to shoot straight enough to the point where he can actually lift his career field goal percentage above 40, 40%? What say you, Fred? Well, you got another incorrect statement in here. I, I never said that Kirk Heinrich shot below 40% from the field for his career. He's a 40 You've definitely mentioned it a million times to the point where I maybe have overlapped certain things that you've said. But I, I'm sure if I if I go through your tweets, I'll be able to find something some what, nonsense to that effect. What I said is he had about I think he had five or six seasons where he shot below 40% from the field. So this is what I tell my fifth and sixth graders that I coach. If you shoot below 40%, you're doing a bad job. So that's true in fifth or sixth grade. Of course, that's true in the NBA. So no doubt. Uh, first of all, the fact is, after his second season, Denzel Valentine has shot better uh, than Kirk in a commensurate uh, after his second season. Denzel's uh, two-point percentage, to give you an idea, uh, Denzel, in his last year, his second year, he shot 38.6% from three. That's what Kirk shot in his rookie year from the field. So I don't think there's any question Denzel's a significantly better shooter than Kirk Heinrich. Now, he doesn't have the grit. He doesn't have the love from the fans from Barrington. He doesn't have, uh, you know, the hair and all the the rabid uh, female fan base. But he does have uh, the ability to uh, hit the three at a much higher percentage. And I think eventually if Denzel has a long enough career, he'll pass Kirk um, and, and on that three-point, all-time three-point uh, total. But, you know, we'll see if, he, if he's – right now <laughs> – uh, it hasn't been trending that well, you know, considering he's missed uh, the entire season. But I think uh, I, I, I love the jokes about Valentine. I, I find him uh, very humorous, but nobody's going to be laughing at the end of this season. Valentine's going to come back and, and show what he's made of uh, when he returns from this injury. I understand everyone's concern uh, about, you know, obviously it's a serious injury and it's serious anytime you miss an entire season. But Denzel Valentine's a fine player. Kirk Heinrich was a fine player until um, 2007. And then after that, he was no longer that fine. I think you should be a politician because you just went on for two minutes there and didn't answer my question. So I will repeat my question. 
<laughs> maybe I will. Hey, I, I haven't been that impressed so far from what I've seen in debate tonight. So <laughs> maybe. Well, yeah, that's what I was about to say. The Democratic debate is on as we're recording this. So maybe you've maybe you've got a, like, a late outside chance of becoming president of the U.S. I mean, Trump has, has made it through, so maybe there's a chance that you could too. But my question, which I will repeat. Is do you think Denzel Valentine will shoot straight enough this season to lift his career field goal percentage above forty percent? Yes. Yes. No. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I think Beautiful. Denzel. Thank you for answering my question. Forty percent from three, even from three, and I think he's going to be in the three point contest, and I think he he'll finish second in that contest. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Thank you for those uh, yeah. those additions there that I'll surely won't uh, use against you in, in future in future <laughs> days. I definitely won't be doing that. But um, let well, look. We, we've reached five predictions thus far. We're, we're fairly aligned on them thus far. Uh, maybe that that last one there I probably deviate somewhat. But uh, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and get through the other five in after the break. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter where you're selling, be it Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all of your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. And right now, Blue Wire listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in blue. That's ShipStation.com, then enter promo code blue. ShipStation.com, make ship happen. Okay, back to the podcast now. We see Red Fred, the prophet. We're doing predictions. We've got five to go. We've done five. We've got five more to go. So, Fred, you alluded to this one before. In relation to the All-Star game, and I want to know from you if, if there will be any Bulls representing the team in the 2020 All-Star game. So I've got a bit of an over-under question. Will there be more than uh, 0.5 or more Bulls representing the team in the All-Star game? What say you? So I... I feel that uh, Zach Levine is going to be the all-star this year. I, I think he's set up for a career year, a fantastic year. If you look at – I thought he played pretty well for the most part last year. He was in the you know, top 15 in scoring in the league, and he really had very little around him for vast you know, vast swaths of the season, very little shooting for a guy whose game is pretty much attacking the rim. And now he's got you know Sadoransky. He's got Valentine coming back. Hopefully we'll have you know Laurie for the entire season. Uh, he's just got a lot more shooting around him that will open up those runway lanes. I expect really big things from Zach Levine. He's beloved in the league, beloved by a lot of the fans. So I expect him to make the all-star team. Laurie, I think, will deserve to make the all-star team, but I think they're still going to give it to Blake Griffin. So it's kind of like, a, you know, he'll probably have a halfway decent first half of the season before he breaks down sometime around February or March, and he's out for the remainder of the year. Uh, and this will be the last time that Blake Griffin will probably make the all-star team. And then Laurie will take over starting next year for probably the next eight or nine seasons. 
Well, there you go. I, 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 was, I was convinced that you were going to put marketing into the All-Star game this year, but uh, you haven't done that. But you, it sounds like you're taking the over nonetheless anyway with Zach Levine making the team. So you're saying one bull will be in the All-Star game at least, which is Zach Levine. I, I'll say zero bulls will be in the All-Star game, but if there is one that's going to go close, who I do think will go close, and that will be Levine. So we do agree on that front. I, I think you'll probably just miss out. I think Jimmy Butler will make it back into the All-Star game. Um, now that he's sort of in the full time in the East and he's situated in Miami. And uh, I, I think Zach just may miss out. I expect Zach to be a participant during the All-Star weekend, maybe in the dunk, con- dunk contest. Hopefully that's the case with oh, Aaron Gordon. Please, that would no. be nice to see in Chicago. No, what are you talking about? I, I, I do not. That's, I'm a Bulls fan. If there's a, yeah, so? going to have a, have a season-ending injury in a uh, dunk contest, it's going to be a member of the Chicago Bulls. So I, I, I don't see any advantage for Zach Levine to go out and participate in the Doug contest. I don't want him playing in it. Well, it, it what advantages of the, in him playing in the actual game then? I want him playing in the actual game. At least that there's at least that's uh, you know something to be proud of. I mean, that's something to be. He's already won the dunk contest. It's like what 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 is there to win for him to come back after an ACL surgery? What's it going to prove? It's not going to prove anything. Uh, you know, the All Star game. That's where you build relationships with a lot of these guys. That's where you do a lot of the recruiting. I, I want them there. I want them participating in All Star Weekend. I don't want them participating in a dunk contest. I just think it's a it's a, a waste of time. And it's an injury risk we don't need. The All Star Games in Chicago, he can do recruiting whether he's playing in the game or not. So that's not an issue at all. And if he doesn't make the All Star Game, I'd love to see him in the dunk contest. As would a lot of other Bulls fans. The, the whole point of him being injured or re-injuring his, his knee in a dunk contest. Oh, have we ever seen anyone get injured in the dunk contest? I, I, I don't recall. So I'm not no, concerned but- about that at all. So whilst I don't think he's going to make the All Star Game, I'm, I'm hoping at least he makes the dunk contest. You disagree, clearly. Uh, typical old man take there. But we'll see what happens with Levine and whether he makes the All-Star game, whether he does the Don contest, all that sort of stuff. Obviously, that's the play out. But you think he'll make the All-Star game? I don't. I think he'll come close, but he'll just miss out. We'll see how it all plays out. But moving on to prediction number seven, Fred. So we're zipping through these. And this one's about Otto Porter. So I think this is going to... The reason why I've included, included this one into our into our chat here because I think this is going to be a, a story throughout the season. So the, the question that I have here is Otto Porter has two years and $57 million owed on his remaining, uh, the remainder of his contract. His deal will expire in 2021. However, he has a player option in contract at the conclusion of this season coming up, allowing him to enter free agency in 2020. So my question is, will Porter exercise this option and enter a weak free agency class in order to secure a new and exorbitant long-term deal or will he play out the term of his current contract and become a free agent in 2021 what do you think he's going to do well that's a great question and i think this is probably the most under discussed you know story surrounding the bulls because obviously we all any any smart fan likes Otto porter a lot um it just kind of shows the the how ludicrous all the hanging hand-wringing was around his acquisition and his contract and and that it could easily be just like a one-year deal um He's such an important guy on the team, I think, for the success of the team. I think a lot depends how the season goes. If he gets injured uh, and he doesn't play a lot for whatever reason, uh, then and he'll probably exercise the, se- the second year. But I, I, I kind of foresee him having a good season, and I think he's going to opt out, which is going to leave the Bulls in a very difficult situation because uh, you, know, you still want to participate in 2000. The free agency uh, period of 2021, I think the ideal situation would have been 
you know, going after Giannis in that year and having Otto opt out at that point. Uh, and then, you know, making a decision and maybe having Otto as a fallback option. But now you're kind of you're going to be kind of forced into a decision a year early if he does opt out. So I unfortunately believe that he'll probably opt out and the Bulls will have to make a, a difficult decision. What say you? I'm pretty much thinking the same based based on what we know right now, which obviously isn't a lot given that the season has, hasn't started. But assuming Otto Porter comes back, he obviously had a few injuries towards the end of the season. But assuming he plays 65, 70 games and performs the way he did last season, then it kind of makes sense for him, the player, to opt out in a weak free agency class where there's not that many good free agents available and to really secure that bag when there's not many free agents out there that can potentially take more money away from him. I, I, like, who's the best free agent next next offseason? Is it like Kyle Lowry and a few others? Buddy Hill, I, I'm sure there's some other bigger names, Draymond Green, that are, that are maybe missing. But it's, not, it's nowhere near what 2021 potentially could be and definitely not what 2019 was either. So it kind of makes sense for Otto Porter to opt out and opt out of his final year deal and maybe secure a new four or five year deal depending on which team he signs for something similar to what Harrison Barnes just did with the the Sacramento Kings maybe maybe the Bulls and Otto Porter can work something else maybe he tests the market and and goes somewhere else but to your point it's going to be an interesting situation because if the Bulls would want to bring him back they'll want to bring him back on a certain number because they'll be having or be hoping to have max space in 2021 so it's going to be an interesting situation. It's going to be one of those things that it's not a story right now because we're not necessarily thinking about the, the 2020 offseason, but depending on how things play out, I think it's going to be an interesting situation to, to monitor throughout the season. But I could imagine it being potentially a, a you know effectively a one-year rental with Otto Porter. If he, if, an, if he hits the market and another team offers him a four-year max, I think that's going to be a, an interesting situation for the, for the Bulls to consider. Oh my God, would that be horrible? I mean, you know, it's like a catch twenty two, right? If he if he has a if he has a full year like he played over the fifteen games for the Bulls, where he's shooting, you know, significantly over forty percent from three, playing fantastic defense, just he's he's such a winner. He he makes everybody else around him better, and it's clear as day to see that. I think you're right. Like I think there might be a team out there to offer him close to max money. Uh you know he's he's due to make twenty seven point two this year and twenty eight point four the following year. He would be insane even if he was offered a four year deal at twenty million. That's a guaranteed contract. Like, why would he not do that if he's healthy at the end of next season? I think it's likely he's going to opt out unless he's hurt this year. What what do you think a fair price would be? How about this question? If he was a free agent this season, this past season, this past off season, what do you think a fair deal would have been for Otto Porter Jr. Well, I'm thinking I'm thinking something similar to what Malcolm Brogdon just got. Yes. I think they're a similar tier of player, similar type of player. They're not obviously the same, but they're one of those glue guy types that every contending team would like to have on the wing. So that someone that can do multiple or play multiple positions, can obviously shoot the ball well, can play defense, isn't a hindrance to those around him and sort of can just plug and play and fits with basically anyone on the team. Malcolm Brogdon is that in a lot of ways Otto Porter is as well. So we saw Brogdon get four for 85. I think if if um, if, if Porter was on the, on the market, I think he, he would have got something close, maybe four for 85, maybe four and 90, something like that. He, I mean, he got four and 104 back in 2016. Maybe he would have got close to $100 million on this market. I, I don't know, but uh, I, I think the Bulls, if he opts out, he'll be looking for a number similar to what he'll be earning already. So I don't think he's going to be, be uh, opting out for $20 million. I think he'll probably opt out for something like $22, 23 something like that, maybe even a little bit higher. 
So I think that's where it's going to be a little bit of a you know a push and pull between both both parties being that Bulls and Porter. So we'll see how it plays out. But I wanted to include that because I think it is going to be a storyline that we as a fan base and just generally the, the the Bulls media will be talking about with with Otto Porter throughout the year. But let's move on to the next one. It's a two-part question, but it's also a true or false question. So the first part, Fred, this is more of a team-based question. Will the Bulls be a top 10 offense this season? Oh, man, it's a tough one. Wow. I mean, there's going to be a lot of good offenses in this league. I'm going to say no. I think they'll be probably 10 to 15, 11 to 15. I think they'll be in the top half, but top 10, there's a lot of talent uh, offensively. And I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to have just fantastic years. So I'll say they'll be, you know, 11 uh, offensively, 11 or 12, somewhere around there, but not top 10. Well, obviously, that's, that'd be great, right? If they're 11 or 12, they'll be in the top third. So I'll say 11 or 12. I think they have the potential to be a top 10 team, but uh, I'm sort of just, I just go back and forth as to what it ultimately hinges on Jim Boylan, really. I mean, I think the talent is there to be a top 10 offense. Uh, I don't know if the execution will be there to be a top 10 offense. So I think that's going to be the the question that we sort of go back and forth throughout the season. But I think on pure talent alone, they can be a, a top half. I think that's in place. So I kind of agree with what you're sort of suggesting there, 11 or 12, somewhere in that vicinity. But I'm going to be conservative. I'm going to say they're not going to be a top 10 off- offense, but I think they can come close, which is obviously a, a, a huge upgrade on what they were last season. But part two of this question, will the Bulls be a bottom 10 defense this season? No, they're going to be much better defensively. And, and it's just, I think overall, they've significantly upgraded their defensive talent. I mean, just with the fact that Otto Porter Jr. is going to be playing hopefully a full season, you added Thad Young, who's an excellent defensive player, uh, assuming Chandler Hutchinson's going to be healthy, you know, Chris Dunn, Wendell Carter Jr., hopefully for the whole year. You have five guys. That, that lineup, I was just talking about this today with the guys over at NBC. I mean, you could theoretically throw out a lineup of Chris Dunn, Chandler Hutchinson, Otto Porter Jr., uh, Thad Young, and Wendell Carter Jr., those five there. I think that would be one hell of a defensive lineup. Like, you know, you might have some problems on the offensive end, but if you want to start to stall a team, uh, I think that's a great lineup to throw out there. So really you could have every guy almost switch. You could, and and just have length at every position, athleticism at every position. I'm really excited about the defensive capabilities of this, of this Bulls team. I think it's much significantly better than uh, teams in the past. I expect them to be um, maybe not top, 10, but again, defensively somewhere between 11 and 15. They'll be in the top half, I'm hoping, on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I think I think this one is really going to be determined by by health because the guys that they're really reliant on on defense are, are, are guys that have missed games. So obviously, we don't necessarily have much of a history with Chandler Hutchinson and Wendell Carter to say that they're injury-prone players. have obviously only played one season in the league, but we only both only played half a season. So I'm hoping that they're going to be healthy. Chris Dunn, the way he plays, he's prone to injury, I suppose. He he, he goes super hard to the point where I'm not sure if Chris Dunn can ever play a 70-game season. So, and, and even Otto Porter too. I, I think he's got some hip issues that may or may not linger around. So those players are, are super important to the Bulls' defense. Thad Young, obviously, too, is going to be a nice, a nice addition. Tomas Sondaransky, too, can be a plus defender for this team as well. So they do have some defensive pieces but it'll ultimately be determined by health. So I want to say they won't be a bottom 10 defense. I want to say that they could potentially be the 16th, 17th best defense in the NBA, something of that nature. But 
I don't know what to do on this one. I don't know what to do with this one. Maybe I'm going to say they're going to be a bottom 10 defense. I'm going to say they're going to be like the 21st or 22nd worst defense. Oh, you're off on that one. I, I do want to make a special point too also for Shaq Harrison. I, I thought it was great. I, they brought him back. I, I, I saw them play Toronto at the end of the season. And I've, I've gone to a lot of NBA games. I've seen a lot of games. I've, I've never seen a player that size play that hard and make that much of a difference on the defensive end. It was it was an amazing thing to watch, to see that kid. He was often matched up against threes, guys significantly bigger than him. He was all over the place. It was it, – I, I couldn't I, I couldn't believe it. I just kept on turning. My father was with my son. I'm like, can you believe what this kid is doing at like six he, – he, he does not look tall in person. I'd say he's about six one. But his quickness and his effort was just – it just – it was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen up close on an NBA court. So I'm really glad the Bulls took a one-year flyer on him. And I know he's probably not going to get a lot of time, but he's another plus defender. But this team's loaded with plus defenders all of a sudden that we didn't have last year. So I'm, I'm, I'm much higher on the defensive ceiling for this Bulls team. I'm kind of shocked to hear you say you expect them to be bottom 10. I know they're young, no doubt about that. But, you know, Thad Young uh, is just having a, a guy of that, ilk on the perimeter significantly will improve the defense and him and Otto for the full year I expect it to be a lot better look Thad Young being a the, the sixth man next season in comparison to Jabari Parker or Bobby Portis the, the defensive upgrade over those two yeah. is yeah. just tremendous so I mean that I definitely take that point but I mean jumping up from 21st I think would be an improvement obviously I'm I, I have to factor in some sort of injuries into that because there's no reason not to, given the way that things have sort of played out for the last two seasons. The Bulls have been sort of injury riddled. And like I said, some of those defensive players that they rely on in at least last season were injured. So I'm sort of maybe being a little cautious here. I obviously hope they're going to be better than 21st. I think they definitely have the talent to do so, but I'm just going to put it there for the moment, particularly if they have a renewed focus on offense. Maybe they'll trade some of their some of their defense for offense. So we'll see how it plays out. But Prediction number nine, Fred, and this is one that may have some season-long ramifications for us, and I'll ask the questions. And by us, I mean for us too. Will the Bulls win 44 or more games next season? Well, of course, this question is completely dependent on health. I think if they remain – so the teams that are going to be competing against at that kind of tier, you know, look at Orlando Magic last year. Almost every one of their best players played 70 or more games. Detroit was remarkably healthy. The Bulls weren't. If you look at the top six guys in terms of games played, number one, Ryan A., number two, Robin Lopez, three, Shaq Harrison, four, Levine, five, Felicio, six, Blakeney. If you replace those top six, uh, obviously, Levine, you want to remain in the top six, but uh, top six. But if you replace, let's say, Ryan with uh, Sadoransky, Robin Lopez with Lori, you know, Shaq Harrison with Thad Young, Felicio, Wendell Carter Jr., and Blakeney with Otto Porter Jr., and, and those are the guys who are in your top six in terms of games played, and they all play 65 or more games. I absolutely believe the Bulls can win 44 to 45 games. You know, but if they – I don't care if it's a Golden State Warriors. If you suffer six injuries to rotation players, you're not going to have a good year. Um, the Bulls are definitely better positioned this season to get through a few injuries. Um, and I, I think the odds of them having another year like the last two with the sheer amount of injuries are – are just exponential. I mean, they're, 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 it's, it's, it's highly likely they'll get through this year without a, a, ser- a, a serious injury. It's just the odds of it happening again, I think, are, 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 are slim to slim to none. So um, I'm going to say 44. 
Absolutely. I'm going to go right on that number. I, I Earlier on NBC, I said 43, and then I, I got talked into 45. I'll say 44. That's something they'll, they'll win this year. All right. So we had a bet last season or for this season that just went past where it was 44 or more. Obviously, I comprehensively won that bet. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm asking the question again, are you prepared to make a bet again for this upcoming season where the, where the line is 44 wins? You seem pretty confident. Can I talk you into a bet for this season? Oh, absolutely. I'll do another bet for, with you, but uh, this time we got to have a little bit more, yeah, as you said, strict parameters. I know you're irritated by me delaying this, but that's the only thing I have left is uh, <laughs> I'm going to use every potential leverage I have. I'm going to wear a jersey at a re- re- uh, you know remote location where there's just primarily wildlife, and I hope to end the trip by feeding it to a bear, fe- feeding the jersey to a bear. I did want to throw this at you. So, I did get asked to perform at a uh, at like a like a church festival. Um, what, like <laughs> juggling or something? Or? <laughs> two years, two years ago, uh, there was a cancellation. They asked me to go up and perform uh, two songs, and uh, it was met with such. So I did uh, uh, "Sweet Caroline" and uh, 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 "Brown Eyed Girl," and it was uh, it was such a hit that uh, they came back and asked me to do it uh, last year, which I had to turn down. But this year, the demand was too high, and I agreed to do it. Unfortunately, they gave me like 40 minutes. So I somehow have to turn, uh, <laughs> come up with a 40-minute uh, you know, set where I only have two songs that I really uh, I can do well. So um, I was hoping I could wear the jersey potentially during that set. Would that be able to come right. in a few days? Uh, you know, and you get to see me do – it's going to be a history of music through time, so uh, a rock music basically. So it's going to start out with – you know, um, a little bit of uh, Beatles, and then I'm going to do some 70s, do a lot of 80s, a little Eddie Money. Uh, well, look, I'm sure the the, uh, the senior citizens' home that you're performing at will will, um, <laughs> will thoroughly enjoy this performance that you have planned for them. But, um, but look, uh, I, I thank you for sharing me with your your planned touring updates, uh, your 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 tour updates. So we go to seeredfred.com to to see your uh, your dates and where we can get tickets, all that sort of stuff. I'm kind of I'm kind of keeping the uh, this the the show on the uh, the down low. I really don't want right okay. the amount of people know don't me. want too much demand. Yeah, I don't, well, that, that, that's part partly it. I also don't want any uh, you know people who uh, you know still use who use a, who know how to operate a, a camera and and film to be uh, showing up, uh, you know, and learn how to do it off their phones. You're right. I'd say the average age of the people at the show two years ago were probably around, uh, you know, 80, 84 around there. <laughs> <laughs> so unfortunately some have expired, I'm sure from, from the last performance, um, you know, while, while waiting for the comeback, but I don't know when, when yeah. I gotta be honest with you. I'm trying to learn some stuff. I'm like, man, this is not going well. I, I, I know the Depeche mode song. I was hoping to do that. Uh, own personal Jesus, probably not a really good location for uh, at a trip. No. <laughs> so I'm changing the lyrics. Probably not. I'm changing no. the lyrics to own personal pizza. Um, but I, right. I do that song. There's a lot of good stuff uh, planned for it. But I was hoping I could wear the Heinrich jersey. I'll get some video evidence. And then uh, that would cut down two days, three days. What do you say? Yeah, I, I agree to that. I, I agree to that. Uh, I agree to those terms. But I mean, we've—I don't know where this podcast has gone now. We've gone completely off the rails to the point <laughs> where we've gone through nine questions. So uh, I think the point of that whole story, aside from you know plugging your upcoming tour dates, was the fact that we are agreeing to a bet for this upcoming season with the Bulls. You're saying they're going to win 44 or more games. Again, I'm saying they're going to go under. I think they're going to win about 36, 37 games. So there is a bet. We can work out the term 
terms of the upcoming bet in a later date, but uh, at least we've set that set that agenda right here, right now. And um, yeah, let me know where I can get the tickets later on. I can plug that on, on my Twitter later on. But moving on to the final question or the final prediction, and it's sort of linked to the last one that we just had. You've got a mantra that includes a lot of number sevens. So I want to know, will the Bulls end up as a seven seed next season or perhaps even a little bit better? But obviously that would ruin your mantra. So let's say, will the Bulls end up as a seven seed next season? What say you? Well, let, let's, let's you know, build this one out a little bit. So in the Eastern Conference, I have a top tier of teams. There's two teams in that tier. It's Philly at one and, and the Bucks at two. Uh, do you agree with me there? They're on a tier of their own. Yes. Yep. Now there's there's a big uh, you know big valley, and then the next group of teams I have four teams I have uh, the Celtics, the Nets, the Pacers, and um, the Raptors. Those four teams are my top six in the East. What say you? You agree there? I agree so far. All right, so now now we're in the Bulls tier, and we got we got five teams fighting for two playoff spots. You got the Bulls, you got the Hawks, you got the Orlando Magic, the Miami Heat, and um, what's it? Pistons? Pistons, Pistons. There we go. Those five teams. So uh, the Pistons last year were remarkably healthy. 75 games for Blake Griffin. You know, I mentioned today I, I, I'd be willing to bet a kidney that he doesn't play 75 or more games this year. Um, and, you know, they did add Rose, another guy who's, you know, I love the addition, but, you know, he's not exactly a picture of health. Uh, they did lose Ish Smith. I, I think the Pistons are, even with all you know, incredible health last year, they still only won what was it, forty-one games, I believe. I think that it, uh, yeah, forty-one, forty-one. So I, I'm going to say it's the Bulls at seven, the Miami at eight, and the other teams missed the playoffs. But I, I think it's very easily if you get one injury, let's say you get an injury to, um, you know, the Nets or, or any team, any guys on the Pacers, one of the key players on the Pacers, you know, uh, who who all have injury histories. Any one of those teams could fall down. And I, I just don't think – Toronto, Toronto, maybe they trade their players away during the season. They're yeah, a lot maybe, of expiring guys. Yeah. Exactly. And you also forget, I mean, they lost Danny Green. I know he didn't play well in the playoffs, but he was a key player on that team as a shooting guard. He had, he's a you know, RPM darling. Uh, you know, th- there's a lot of teams that are just ahead of the Bulls that I think could easily fall with a few key injuries. So I really like the Bulls at seven. I know there's a lot of talk about the Heat being seven. I don't see it. I think that that's a disaster waiting to happen. I, I, I'd i say by January, I think Jimmy's asking for uh, Wade to come out of retirement and it's really going to get ugly. So uh, I don't like the talent on that team at all outside of Jimmy Butler. And uh, I think that's going to be a very ugly situation by by February. In fact, there might be talk about them attempting to trade Jimmy Butler by that time. So I think the Bulls are going to be the seventh seed. I really love their talent. I think they're the most improved team in the East. I love Atlanta. I think Atlanta, though, is still like a year behind the Bulls in terms of rebuild. Um, You know, Trey Young, great offensive player, horrific defensively. Uh, John Collins, great offensive player, not good defensively. They did exactly what they needed to do in getting DeAndre Hunter, who's going to be an absolute stud on the defensive end. But, you know, I, I still think they needed a they needed a Thad Young. You know, they needed a guy like that to really bring those young guys across the, to learn how to be pros. And I think they're still a year behind the Bulls. What say you? Yeah, they're probably a year behind because the Bulls have gone more so with the, uh, the veterans in this free agency class where the Hawks didn't necessarily do that. So they probably are. But having said that, they, they prove that they can play with the players that they have 
currently on the roster. They won 29 games last season. If you're that high on DeAndre Hunter, they brought in Cam Reddish too. They've got Kevin Herter, those guys. Uh, you know, I think they're in a good role in Atlanta. I think there's a chance that the Hawks could be fighting for a playoff spot too, whilst I can see that the Bulls are probably slightly in front just because of that veteran presence. So I think they're actually going to be, like like you said, there's going to be five or six teams sort of vying for that seven and eight position. And then ultimately it's going to come down to health because, yeah, I think that's what will determine the, the final slots in the Eastern Conference, potentially even maybe up to six seed as well. So I don't think the Bulls will make the playoffs. I think they'll be just outside of it. I think teams seven through maybe 11, somewhere in that stage, they were going to be pretty close together and it's ultimately going to come down to health. But um, I think conservatively, I'm going to say the Bulls are going to win, say, 36 or 37 games, which would be a 15-game improvement, which is pretty significant. But I think they'll just miss on the playoffs this season and sort of head toward it next season. That's what I'm thinking. I'm glad we're able to get that on record, Fred, because obviously that will be a big talking point for you and me throughout the season and obviously throughout the fan base as well. But we've locked in 10 predictions. We're pretty much aligned on most of them. So I'm, I'm interested, interested to see how with that will all play out. We've, we obviously can use this podcast as a bit of a time capsule to see who is more so right than, than the other. But I, like I said from the top, you are a prophet. You get 93% of your predictions right. So I'm expecting at least nine out of these 10 from you to uh, to be correct hits. So we'll see how it all plays out. But I appreciate you for coming on the podcast, sir. Oh, I agree. And I just want to say I apologize to anyone that I've ruined the season for with these uh, predictions. I, I know you are all disappointed to know what the ending is going to be before it actually happens, but I can't help it. You know, that's that's uh, I was blessed with disability and, uh, I'll continue to to preach uh, the gospel of marketing. So uh, I'll, I'll talk to you later, my man. It was great getting caught up with you, Mark. Congratulations again on your wedding this year. It was a great year for you and your honeymoon. Uh, I hope you have I hope you have safe travels over the next few months. And uh, where are you traveling? Where are you? <laughs> are you traveling? Uh, safe, uh, safe home, safe time for the next few months. I don't know what you're doing. Well, I, might have I, to tra- I might have to travel to the States to see your uh, your upcoming shows, but that's the only travel that I had planned at the moment. I've just been traveling in return. So, Mark, uh, I'm so tired. I'm yeah. talking gibberish now. I've been, I've been talking for hours. Well, I got to say, everybody listen to the Bulls Talk pod. Can I g- give a little personal plug? A few of them? Of course. You've already done many of them, but uh, many plugs thus far. But go ahead. One more would hurt. So I'm working on an article for NBC. I'm almost done. I should hopefully have it. actually been working for, on it for about five months about the negativity in the Bulls uh, fan base and the reasons why. <laughs> and uh, I actually got scientific with this one. I had a team uh, at, a, at, a, at a major U.S. corporation get look into the Bulls social media and find out what fan base was the most negative in the NBA. Um, so I kind of go over the results of that test and uh, more importantly, the reasons why the results ended up the way they did. I'm not uh, going to ruin the punchline for this one. Uh, so that will hopefully be up in the next couple of weeks. And then I also was on Bulls Talk, which was a real honor. I mean, Bulls Talk kind of like the Oprah, Oprah Winfrey show of Bulls podcast. It's the, you know, the top talk show. And uh, I got to go on there with uh, Mark and, and Bulldog, uh, Mark Shinowski and Bulldogs. That was great. We talked Bulls today. So go listen to that. And, of course, Chicago Bullseye has a lot of great stuff coming out this week. So go to ChicagoBullseye.com. And then uh, I got a big show coming up uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, I'll, I'll record some of the, the the efforts I put out there. I'm trying to learn some new songs. You ever heard Grease? Grease is the word by uh, Frankie Valley. Yeah, of course. Well, of course. Trying to learn that. I might, uh, might throw that one out there for the youngsters and the oldsters. And then uh, – 
I, I don't know. Mark, this set list is a mess. I'm all over the place. <laughs> I'm doing some Eagles. Well, hopefully it doesn't take you this long to learn as many songs as it did to write that article. Five months is a damn <laughs> long time to produce some content. So um, hopefully, um, particularly if you're performing at a senior, sitting, <laughs> senior citizen's home, um, time isn't necessarily on on their side. So um, <laughs> well, uh, we'll see how that set list comes together. But fingers crossed it all goes well for you, Fred. But I appreciate you coming on to this podcast i'm not sure why bulls talk with sully themselves with having you on but um that, that's yeah that, that's <laughs> you right there but um they've never reached greater heights than this uh oh, but definitely definitely I, I definitely. still brought you new content it's always great to be on uh bulls iq uh, raised the bulls iq on bulls hq with you i gotta tell you darnell mayberry this week what a what a what a package of all-stars you brought darnell you're bringing me this is one of the best weeks ever for bulls hq and i really enjoyed your interview with Darnell. Darnell is a top of the line individual, great man, a great writer. And uh, man, I really enjoyed that interview. So I got to hand it to you. You really didn't screw that up and you did a good job. <laughs> Thank you for that uh, that backhanded compliment, Fred. But on that note, I'll let you go get some sleep. I appreciate you coming on, but we'll talk again before the season starts. Thank you, my friend. Take it easy, my man. Talk to you later. All right, Bulls fans, so we're just about done here. Thanks again to C Red Fred for jumping on the show. Follow him online at Twi- on Twitter at CBE Fred. Listen into his podcast. You're probably already doing it, Chicago Bullseye. Get his takes all over there and all across Twitter. So be sure to be following Fred. You probably already are, but make sure that is the case. And while you're on Twitter, follow me too at MK Hoops and the and the podcast is on there too at Bulls HQ Pod. Do all that. Jump onto iTunes, give the show a five-star review. I'd greatly appreciate it if you could do that for me but until next week this has been bulls hq our predictions for next season have been locked in we've got a bet set between fred and i 44 or more wins for the bulls we'll see who gets closer but uh that's all we have time for on this episode of bulls hq we'll be back again next week speak then bulls fans Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.